Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We've got a great show for you today and tomorrow. It's going to be a two-part show, hopefully not a three-part show. Could be. We'll see. <laughs> Could be. And the topic of today's show and tomorrow's show is? Massive success in a shifting market. I think that pretty much every single listener could get down with that. Massive success in a shifting market. Julie and I were spending a lot of time with a lot of you, with listeners and coaching clients and people in our EXP group. And we're all talking about the same thing. The market's changing, but changing in a way that none of us have really experienced before because of inflation. And one of the things that seems to be lacking isn't a lack of knowledge necessarily of the effects of interest rates on, you know, the, the real estate market or the ebbs and the flows of a buyer's market versus a seller's market. What is lacking is the ability to convey what's actually happening in the market in a manner in which uh, really your potential clients uh, will want to receive it. A lot of us have... I think lost or never developed our communication styles, knowing how to speak clearly because of the fact that frankly, we've been selling, um, you know, water to people in a desert, you know, Basically, in yeah. a hot seller's market where it, that has encompassed most of your entire career, real estate careers. You guys have never really had to learn to be that effective at communicating because the FOMO was so omnipresent in the real estate market. Well, that's still there for sure. There's no big, you know, there's no skies falling uh, uh, forecast on our horizon. That's for sure. But the reality of it is, is that how you communicate with people going forward is going to be more important than ever. But before we get to point number one, Julie, you wanted to share with them something that you gleaned from your coaching calls today. Yes. Well, one of the things that we're working on, as all of you are working, anyone who has a buyer right now, you have a high likelihood of having to compete. Maybe you are getting uh, squozen by the whole appraisal gap guarantee or any number of things. So here's here's the the thing that you got to look at. Maybe it's time for you to find something you don't have to compete on for some buyers, not for all of them. Some of them can handle that. So one of the things that we're recommending is that you use your MLS to search using the normal criteria that you would, but add 60 days on the market or more. You are less likely to compete with something that's already been on the market for two months. You're less likely to have to go way over list price. You're less likely to have to guarantee the appraisal difference. So search for 60 or maybe even 90 days on the market and see what you find. Maybe you also need to look at the adjacent zip code. There's lots of strategy that's required in today's market. So make sure you are thinking and just not just sticking to your old habits that are not working for you. And so let's talk to them about why 60 or 90 or even older listings, why they are sometimes better than the newest stuff that's on the market, but maybe they were overlooked. Let's We have to always remember that sure. you know, statistically, probably 80% of all of our listeners, and we have tens of thousands of daily listeners, this is the number one daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States, and you have to assume that most of them are new, right? Indeed. So why is it that you would tell them to look for older listings in the MLS? Yes, well, especially now where a lot of listing contracts are not even written for more than 90 days, they might be getting ready to expire. It could be that they had too many showing restrictions. You know, if you're only allowed to see a house on the Friday afternoon when the sun's shining. When it was a new it. when it was a new listing, yes. it, when it was originally on the market, when everyone was basically hot and frothy over it, maybe the seller was over particular, or maybe there was a tenant in there, or maybe there were the house was being prepared. And so what Julie is uh, explaining is new listings are like essentially gallons of milk, right? They have 
exploration expiration dates, not just of the listing itself, but when people stop really showing a lot of interest in it. In a hot mm-hmm. seller's market, most people are conditioned mentally to not really look for anything that's past maybe a day or two old or maybe a week old. And when you get those, when your consumers, your buyers get those new listing alerts, they're not getting six-month-old listing alerts. So there may be a listing that popped up six months ago, nine, you know, 90 days ago or whatever, that is absolutely perfect for that buyer. But because it doesn't necessarily meet all that, you know, those requirements that the buyer had set, new listings that showed up in the last 48 hours or you did in the MLS, you're not even going to know about that listing. And the nice thing about that listing being that it's older, guess what? The seller's probably going to be a little bit more motivated. Well, that's right. And I had a great conversation on this topic with Sue Romans, one of our great coaching clients, who was telling me, because she's in her MLS all the time for different reasons, as most of you are. And she said, you know, sometimes it can just be a mistake. Somebody entered the square footage wrong and it, it doesn't match the price, for example. Terrible iPhone pictures are another huge mistake. You know, you can't turn somebody off from wanting to see it. Terrible descriptions, inaccurate information. You know, there's lots of different reasons that this can happen. I want to caution our agents, which is virtually all of you who have not been, who have been in the market for what, 10, 12 years or less, that just because something's on the market for 60 days does not mean that it's a horrible property. Maybe it's just got a funky floor plan, or maybe it doesn't have great curb appeal, but it's a really great house when you go to see it. So make sure you're searching for things that have been around for a while if you want to stop competing. And, you know, it's also, you got me thinking too about um, all those uh, discount brokerages that are out there. Mm-hmm. The ones that basically will, you know, for 250 bucks or 500 bucks, put a house in the MLS. Well, guys, think about this. They're not really making their money when that house sells. They're making their money off the buyer leads that are coming from that listing in the MLS. Yep. And they're usually going to be the least, um, I'd say, uh, easy to work with. That's bad English, but there you go. In other words, they're not going to have prepared that seller for uh, showing appointments as, say, for example, you would have, especially after you have become one of our coaching clients. But the reality is there's so many more options and choices out there. You're just going to have to work. You're going to have to drill down. And Julie and I have done a lot of podcasts on this uh, very topic. You have to create your own inventory in this market. That really is the bottom line. And if your only essentially source of uh, sifting and sorting is the MOS, you're never going to find something for sale. You're going to be way more creative, and those are all the different you know things we teach you in Premier Coaching. By the way, for those of you who are ready to take the next step in your real estate careers, you want to become a Premier Coaching client today. And guess what? You can join Premier Co- uh, Coaching for around $100 a month, just depending on which pathway you choose with our coaching program. And that does include, it does include a daily semi-private coaching call. Every workday, you will receive a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our new member coaches, and you get all access to all of our communities, all of our scripts, all of our objection handlers, all of our presentations. Nothing is held back with Premier Coaching. It is our Premier program, thus the name. So if you're ready to join Premier Coaching, it's simple. Just text the word hmm, Harris, I think, <laughs> yes. right? Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 47372. Text the word Harris to 47372. You're going to not only get, actually, you know it's Premier. Text the word Premier, sorry, to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372, and that takes you directly to the page where you can join Premier Coaching. So text the word Premier to 47372, and remember, message and data rates may apply. That's right. So back to our topic, how to have massive success in a shifting market. And here's the thing, guys. It is a well-known fact that if you want to be successful in life, you have to learn to be an effective communicator. Someone who can effectively convey their thoughts and feelings will always have an advantage in life. So are these skills learnable or innate? Well, on today's show, we're going to show you and help you drill down on the exact techniques that the world's most effective communicators have used throughout history. 
Here's a question. Write this down, my note takers. Do people want to listen to you? Now, we were talking about how to speak with a seller whose house has been on the market for 60 days, how to talk to a buyer who maybe thinks weird things like, why would I want to go see a house that took 60 days to sell? Can you communicate in such a way that people actually listen to you? Remember that the most important tool that you have in real estate and in life is your voice. So build good habits and delete the old ones that are likely holding you back from success. Your voice affects everything you do, not just in real estate, but in life. So it makes sense that you would polish your skills and reap the benefits of your hard work. Sometimes just changing your tonality, your pace, or even just a single word can make all the difference. You know, Plato said, wise men speak because they have something to say, fools because they have to say something. Let me give them an example. Mm -hmm. We've had thousands of personal coaching clients. Yes. And oftentimes they will know what to say and how to say it. But to your point, how they sound when they say it is ineffective Mm -hmm. and it actually subconsciously turns people off. True. And I'll give you guys a a personal example, which I think is funny. So when I was in high school, and Julie did this for a while too, there was this um, place that you could work uh, where you could essentially sell magazines. It was a A power line. It was was a a power line. It was kind of like a... You know, what What do they call it? Boiler? Sweatshop sh- for, sweat for shop. telemarketing. That's what it was. <laughs> it was a sweatshop for telemarketing. And you were most of the time uh, getting magazine renewals. You know, so you'd walk into the power line and there would be different magazines that you could be then calling the subscribers to and getting magazine renewals. And, you know, you worked there for a while. You quickly learned which ones are easier to get renewals and which ones weren't. Like TV Guide, people renew that until the cows come home, you know. <laughs> but some of the other ones were way harder. But I remember you know, there, was, there was this big floor with all these cubicles. And we were just kids, right? But there was this guy, he was also a kid, would show up. And, uh, you know, when you got a sale, you'd ring a bell. It's just, you know, basically it was like that 1950s play, you know, whatever it was. You guys remember what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And so he, would all, he wouldn't sit next to the rest of us. And he would always grab the women's magazines. So the women's magazines that needed to be renewed. And he would go, and he, his name was like Bob Smith. And he would grab his, the, you know, the stack of leads that he was going to call to try to get magazine uh, renewals from. And then he would go all the way over in the corner of this big, huge sweatshop, basically. And, you know, you'd hear the damn bell ring. Actually, what he would do is he would get a bunch of renewals. And at the end of the day, he'd just ring the bell like 20 times, right? (laughs) Just to completely, you know, really drive the point home that he was the Mm -hmm. best one in the room. Well, I didn't know what he was saying or how he was saying it, but all of our calls were recorded and they were audited. They'd always check them just to make sure we were following the script and we weren't, you know, saying things we shouldn't be saying, all the rest of it. And if we had a sale and we didn't use the script correctly, they'd actually cancel the sale. And this guy never had his, his uh, scripts or his sales canceled. So he actually, he had something going on, which, you know, I had to learn. So one day what I did is after, and he would sit down in his cubicle and then he put his head down. You wouldn't even know he was there. He was like, you know, going to bore basically. And so I sat there next to him and I was not even making calls. I was just listening. He didn't know I was there. And here's what he was doing. His voice was a normal teenage boy's voice. And I don't know how this kid figured out how to do all this, but it was hilarious. He changed his name to like Gavin McLeod. And then he also made his voice sound very romantic and deep. I mean, it was unbelievable the acting job this kid was pulling off to get these women magazine renewals. Now, all he was doing is delivering the exact same script that the rest of us were renewing, but he was doing it with such style and panache. He was speaking to the person on the other end of the phone that was into this, 
you know, whatever magazine, and here was this guy with this romantic voice, this romantic name that was calling him to renew these magazines. That was my first lesson as a kid into the importance of not just knowing what to say or how to say it, but how, not just, rather, not just how, what to say, but how you say it. How you deliver your message matters oftentimes more than actually what you're saying, which goes back to one of the, you know, I think ironic but true things about sales in general and life in general. Energy and enthusiasm will always overcome skill. So if you've got to have one thing, energy and enthusiasm in your voice. Like how many of you guys actually listen to Julie and I, the podcast every day for content versus you just listen to us because we make you feel motivated? I'd venture a guess that it's probably 50-50 on most mm -hmm. days, right? You know, some podcasts are obviously better than others, but the reality of it is, is you guys listen every day because how we present and you like, you know, we're all part of the same family, right? You guys, we're having this conversation with all of you when Julie and I are doing this show. That's how we, we see ourselves sitting around like a table and we're all having, you know, in our cases, Diet Coke along with you. Mm -hmm. And we're having this conversation yeah. about this particular topic. That's how, that's how we mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves. But the point of all of it is, is the tiny little nuanced differences you can make when you're speaking make an enormous difference because how it, the effect it has on the person that you're communicating with. That's right. In your example, he had clearly worked on it and honed his skill and was taking it maybe more seriously than some of the other salespeople. Well, they weren't teaching us that. They, they weren't. But they, he had worked on it. He had worked on it. Yeah. That's right. It was. A, but that's just such such a funny story. I learned so much from that. You, you make me think of Dr. Fisbo, but maybe we won't talk about oh, that yeah. on this one. Um, okay, so here's oh, yeah. a question. Actually, that oh. is a funny story. Yeah, yeah. So there, <laughs> Julie's talking funny. So when we got into real estate, and this guy was the best, and probably still is, the best um, Fisbo hunter we've ever seen in our lives. And he would go into the office at night, and he had he would put his feet up on the, his desk. I forgot all about this. Yeah. His name was Mike Perchetti. And I'm telling you, that he, he had... His, he had uh, a Mercedes, and the plate on his Mercedes was Dr. Fisbo. And he was Dr. Fisbo. All he did was Fisbo's. Absolutely hands-down best Fisbo hunter. It was. And Julie, he didn't, Julie and I would go into his office, and he loved us listening. He loved having an audience. But he did the same thing as this kid did. So Mike would basically had a headset on, and he would start talking really slow. And he actually had a dimmer on his light. I he remember did. that. <laughs> he, he set up – this is a basically an empty real estate office because it's at night. And so he set up this whole mood thing. He'd go in there, and he'd prospect. And he knocked down the appointments like you wouldn't possibly believe. And we learned so much, again, style. It, and he would always stay to a script. I think from watching Mike and then emulating Mike, he helped mm -hmm. us, you and I just saw a lot of for sale by owners. Yeah. But one of the things we learned from Mike was he always would stay on, he was a, a definitely scripted, but he wasn't just following the script. He'd internalized the script and he'd personalized the he script. He absolutely did listen to the answers from yep. the person he was talking to and would tailor make, using the script, yes, but his tonality would be uh, very approachable and just like he... I remember listening to him too and thinking like, God, you know, I'd, I wouldn't hang up on him. No. I, I'd listen to him. I'd have a conversation with that guy, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that was very good early training for us to hear, especially he was, that wasn't that far out of the powerhouse years either. That's right. And he was selling probably 100 to 120 houses a year, almost all of them listings. I don't even think he worked with buyers. I bet you 90% of them are for sale by owners. Yeah. And, and, you know, and here's what's really astonishing. Mm -hmm. The for sale by owner market now is more viable than it was even back then. Yes. There's more FISBOs now, and FISBOs are so much easier to convert now. Easier to find, too. Totally. Well, technology and whatnot. Mm -hmm. He had to look them up manually. Mm -hmm. But the reason that FISBOs are easier to convert now is because more often than not, even an overpriced FISBO is still going to sell. 
Back then, you had to basically convince them to sell, uh, or I'm sorry, convince them to list with an agent, convince them to pay an agent's commission. And then 99% of the time, you had to really convince them to price the house correctly. In a market like this, the hardest thing, you guys don't have to learn how to do. Nope. You just have to basically follow our scripts and our techniques to get the seller to want to list with you, which really is not that difficult, in, especially in a buoyant seller's market. If the market meaningfully changes a couple years from now, well, then guess what? Skills time. But for now, you just have to be the person on the other end of the phone or in front of the door, and chances are you're going to get the listing. Again, it goes back to communication. That's right. So whether you're talking to a for sale by owner or a past client or you're converting a lead or somebody that was referred to you, here's the question that matters. How do your listeners perceive you? How would you rate your own conversations? And does your family respond differently than your best friend does? How does that compare to your conversations with your past clients, your centers of influence? Do you embrace meetings or do you dread them? What kind of results are you getting in real estate and in life? So if you fear the phone, the live presentation, negotiating, or anything else requiring good conversation skills, this is where you need to do the work. And I came across uh, an author named Julian Treasure. He wrote a couple of books. One is called How to Be Heard, and the other one is Sound Business. But his five TED Talks have been watched more than 100 million times. They're called How to Speak So That People Want to Listen. It's in the top 10 TED Talks of all time. So here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be giving you guys the seven deadly sins of speaking on today's show. Hopefully, we'll get through all seven. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow, we're going to give you specific drill downs on uh, the practical and tactical skills of specifically when you're uh, chasing sellers for the sake of listing an appointment, you know, listing homes. But all this is about communication. We're going to obviously uh, weave in as much practical scripting and whatnot to help you guys along the way. But it's really incredibly important that if you want to have a undefinable, at least the perception of an undefinable, you know, the French call it je ne sais quoi, something special about you, this really is what it all comes, it all boils down to this. You can take, I remember, again, I hate telling stories, but some of them really appreciate it. You and I went to a Howard Britton conference. And there was a dentist there who was a former dentist who'd gotten a real estate license and he hired Hobbs and Herter and he did all this marketing. And the marketing was the best we'd ever seen before. Just, it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and there was, it was so, I think, impressive that they were, you know, had it on the Jumbotron, right? Everyone was, and at break, I went up and started talking to this guy and asked him what kind of business he was getting from all this marketing and advertising he was doing. And the thing that occurred to me immediately is he was very introverted, very uncomfortable, and not a very good communicator. Well, then I kind of backed off, and then a little bit later, there's another opportunity for me to start talking to him again. Same impression, but now even worse. This guy was not a good communicator whatsoever. That is when, and this is when our we were in our formidable years. We weren't even hired Britain Stars yet, I don't believe. But that's when the little epiphany went off that all the best marketing and advertising in the world, all the best lead generation in the world, all the best branding in the world does not matter. If you do not know what to say and how to say it, you will not actually convert the business. A lead is nothing. A converted lead is, is the money. That's where you're going to be able to be putting you're put yourself in a position to help somebody. And obviously, hopefully, you're going to get paid for it. That is what this is all about. So when we're going through these points, be introspective about these things and think about them. And I want to put a little wrapper on the points that Julie and I are about to share with you guys. In a market like what we're experiencing now, where there is a fair amount of fear that has entered into the market, especially amongst real estate agents, what you're perceiving, what you're feeling is the fear from the massive amount of new agents that have come into the market. The fear that is in the market now is from the lack of experience 
with these uh, you know millions of agents. There's 1.6 million new age or members of the National Association of Realtors. The number of agents that have entered into the business the past two years is historic levels. Most of those agents are struggling because they frankly haven't you know I, I mean this might sound boastful but it's true they haven't discovered Julie and I for the most part and they're trying all these little you know widgets and shiny objects to try to generate business so they're buying leads. Of course they're fearful. Of course they're worried about their future in the industry. Of course that's going to then you know leak into other aspects of the industry because there's so many of them. And if you're feeling a um, sort of undefinable fear of the of the real estate market, it's because of that. Inman's headlines are gearing itself towards that. All this new advertising that's coming out from all these companies that are trying to sell you guys stuff, they're all gearing their messaging towards that. So if you're not really building strong psychological you know, barriers or walls or filters, that stuff is inevitably going to affect your confidence. But ultimately, the way you have an advantage in the marketplace is knowing what to say and knowing how to say it. But monitor whether you're finding yourself being attracted to things that are negative or things that are positive. Because another advantage is if you are uh, rejecting anything that is negative with regards to your potential in the real estate industry, just summarily reject it. Stay away from the things that Julie's about to share with you, and then you're going to discover that the opportunity is actually bigger than it's ever been so far because there's all this negativity in the market. Because there's negativity in the market, because people are fearful, fearful does not cause people to be motivated. Fearful, fearful causes people to be complacent, and guess what? Create more fear. If you do the opposite of that, you're going to experience a magnificent result. That's right. So these are the seven deadly sins of speaking. And you can apply these, of course, in business, but I think these are good for your personal life as well. And these are pretty cut and dry. So if you want to make a list, I would recommend perhaps putting it on your wall to prune these out of your presentation style, out of your conversations. Okay, number one, gossip. These are the seven deadly sins of speaking. Gossip, speaking ill of someone who's not present. The message you're sending the listener is that 10 minutes from now, you might be gossiping about them. If you'll talk about Max like that, you could talk about me just the same. They might not say that to you, but they're thinking it. A bad habit to prune from your conversation. So gossip should not be your currency. That also applies to somebody trying to suck you into their gossip. You need to get out of that conversation. Because if you are friends with people that are known gossipers, other people aren't going to trust you. That's, That's right. really the bottom line. And by the way, what is gossip? If you have somebody that comes up to you and says, or you say this yourself or think it, have you heard? I've got this new bit of information. That's just your ego. That's what's going on right there. You're just essentially getting a little surge of adrenaline for having passed along information that maybe they didn't know. And you know what? That's natural. That's woven into our lizard brains to be passing along information. That's how, you know, before the printed word and all the rest of it, that's how people conveyed information about maybe an impending, you know, problem with some sort of, you know, monster sure. that's around the corner. It was through gossip. Gossip is nothing other than a natural conveyance of information that's really maybe designed to help the other person. But nowadays, it's mostly negative. And nowadays, there's whole industries that are essentially built around essentially gossip. Point number two. Yes, so just don't do it. All right, point number two, judging. Once your listener has picked up your judging them or their situation, they cease to listen and are immune to responding to your attempts to, to speak to them in a positive way. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean that you have to make it a topic of conversation. Maybe that buyer loves black cabinets and you just said this is the most hideous kitchen you've ever seen. Remember when we talked about the Stoics and they said, you don't have to have an opinion on that? I thought that was a great point. Well, and Rory Averill, our first broker, he said, if they like it, you love it. And if they love it, you really, really love really. it. Or something along right. those lines. Right. I mean, you're not buying the house. so you ne yeah. well, Exactly. Never say anything negative. Point number one, don't gossip. Point number two, negatives, no, <laughs> never say anything negative about anything, ever. 
not online, not in person. Say nothing negative ever. That's the that is your goal in life. Keep your yap shut. Because when you say something negative, you are most certainly offending somebody else. That's right. Benjamin Franklin said, remember not only to say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult still, still to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Mm-hmm. Great quote, right? It is. Okay, number three, negativity, complaining, spreading doubt. That's what Julian Treasure calls spreading viral misery. This just makes your listener want to get away from you as quickly as possible, and they certainly won't want to come back for more. They won't say that to you. They'll just not call you back. That's called ghosting today. It is. A lot of this is subconscious too, right? Definitely. Their reaction, they're not going to think, well, that person's gossiping to me about, you know, Bob. They're probably going to gossip about Mm -hmm. me to, you know, uh, Susie. But the reality of it is subconsciously, they're smart enough uh, to not trust you. And this is what it all goes back to. And again, so negativity should be an obvious one. This is very similar to judging. You guys getting the points here. Doesn't this sound a lot like Sunday school and the <laughs> lessons you got? Well, we're all getting a reminder in case you've never went before. There was a lot of this type of thing in Sunday school. Oh, well, that's right. And we should have a, a subject line under this called also online in social media. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. So point number four is excuses. Are you wielding a blame thrower? Instead, own it, all of it, even if it's only partially your fault. It's honorable and an amazing example to set for your kids, your clients, your friends to be accountable. So here's an example. How This happens in real estate all the time when you guys get back and forth with each other as agents. How to actually deliver an apology that's meaningful. It's a four-part process. I actually had this discussion with Zoe as well. Our eight-year-old. How did that <laughs> Oddly go? enough. Okay, so first, remember, there's four parts to an actual apology. Part one, acknowledge the offending behavior. For example, I forgot to send the signatures back in time versus the signatures weren't sent in time or I couldn't find the other agent. Okay. Part two, state how the mistake was hurtful. I'm sorry that that caused you a lot of stress. It was entirely my fault. Part three, actually make amends. Here's how I'm going to fix the situation or ask the offended party how you can make things better. Letting them be heard can erase negative feelings and correct course. And finally, number four, promise the behavior will not happen again. In the future, I'll be communicating with you more and letting you know exactly what deadlines are coming up and which ones have been met. Let me add to this. This is something um, you and I learned uh, in when we were selling real estate from Ray Robinson. Yes. If you think you've offended somebody, even if you don't think you did, or but they're acting as if you did, it's just you're getting this weird vibe from them. The move is to go up to them and say, I apologize if I offended you in any way. It wasn't my intent. That will absolutely blow them away because nobody has that kind of class. But if you do it, it's so rare, by the way. People used to act Mm -hmm. like that. But nowadays, if you think you offended anybody, don't think it's their problem that they didn't understand you. Don't act like that. You're just going to shut yourself off. You need to go up to them. You can be a little passive, too, and send them a text or whatever, right? I mean, that's fine. But say, listen, you know, Bob, I apologize if I offended you in any way. It seems that maybe we're off on our, you know, essentially off on the wrong path or something like that. So always do that. Take the high, always take the you know, the high road every single time, even if it means you have to swallow some ego, especially if you have to swallow some ego. If just the idea of apologizing <laughs> to someone feels like, you know, bile in the back of your throat, that is your ego wanting to be right. And that's the very thing that's going to keep you from ever becoming the highest 
purpose, the highest version, the best version of yourself. It's the ego wanting to be right. Apologize for things even when you don't necessarily think you should have to apologize just to keep the peace. You will then find after you've had that experience, not only do you not have that taste of bile anymore, Hmm. but you also discover you have now transcended. You've now become somebody that you have hoped to have one day been. And I, sorry for sounding woo-woo, but you almost spiritually start to become a different person because you transcended your ego's need to be right and to dominate. Well, it is a gift to the other person, too, to acknowledge that somehow their feelings were hurt, or even if it was a misunderstanding, to allow them to be heard instead of having, and this is the hardest thing, because when you're in it, when you're in that moment and your ego's flaring up, That's like the last thing that you want to do. And that's why it's hard. Brian Tracy said, communication is a skill that you can learn. It's like riding a bicycle or typing. If you're willing to work at it, you can rapidly improve the quality of every part of your life. So number five is exaggeration. Exaggeration is a prequel to lying. Don't be the drama king or the drama queen in the relationship. This is a turnoff and causes people not to trust your accuracy. How do you feel about home inspectors who run off your buyers when it's a tiny plumbing leak, for example? So watch out for exaggeration. You know, it's funny. You and I talk about different topics that, you know, whatever the case may be. And we might say, even if it's 50% right, that's, that's the back of your mind saying, maybe that person's exaggerating, right? So watch out for exaggeration. It is a prequel to lying. Point number six, dogmatism. This is the confusion of facts with opinions. This is most apparent when someone is delivering their opinion with such enthusiasm that it appears to be fact. Once this is detected, the trust factor of the listener is diminished. You'll notice that the intent is full of dog... uh, Internet. I'm sorry, the internet. My glasses need adjusted. Okay. Internet is full of dogmatism. Uh, Quote, don't bother to argue anything on the internet, and I mean anything. The most innocuous, innocent, harmless, basic topics will be misconstrued by people trying to deconstruct things down to the subatomic level and entirely miss the point. Seriously, keep peeling the onion and you get no onion. That's from somebody who, who uh, commentates this Vera Nazarian about things that are posted online is where I got that from. So uh, she says, don't bother to argue anything on the internet. I'd have to agree with that. Well, you know, that actually is a good scripting, um, you know, really it's approach. Like, for example, when you're in a listing appointment or you're maybe talking with a prospective seller and they ask you a question what makes you think they actually thought before they asked you the question? What makes you th- think they're actually listening for you to answer the question? What makes you think that they'll even remember that they asked the question a millisecond after the last breath leaves their mouth of the question? Because the reality of it is, is most people don't think at all or think rarely or don't think very deeply about anything. So when someone asks you a question that you don't want the an- that you don't know the answer to, or more importantly, will pull you down some rabbit hole that will get you off the mission of pre-qualifying them and setting the appointment, helping them accomplish their goal of selling their home. If you know, you can say, "Mr. Seller, that is a great question. I'll answer that when I get to your house today at six o'clock or at six thirty. Be better." Miss, or if you're at the seller's house, "Mr. Seller, I love that question. Let's get to that after we've uh, after we've gone through this together, um, and that'll be definitely the first thing we talk about." So you could acknowledge the question and you can move on. The worst thing you can do is actually start digging in about the question. This then will completely get you off track. And oftentimes it's your ego that wants you to chase that um, question to overcome it. The whole purpose of selling is not to learn how to overcome objections. That is part of it, but that's not really the main thing. When you're selling, especially real estate, what your goal is to help the person solve a problem, which is getting their home sold or in a buyer's case, obviously helping them buy a house. 
the best way to do that is stick to the scripts, get them pre-qualified, answer their questions, and move them forward. Normal questions like emotions, right? This is the reason that motivational speakers and all this mindset guru stuff is all basically a bunch of snake oil salesmen. Because at the end of the day, all they're doing is manipulating you through your emotions, and emotions are fleeting. If you're lucky, after you go to some big Tony Robbins event, you're going to feel good for maybe a week. But the reality of it is the vast majority of the people, they just go back exactly to the same mental, emotional, and frankly, financial state they were before they went to the event, albeit with $5,000 less in their pocket from having attended the event. So you got to remember that when you're working, when you're a professional, stay on your scripts, you know, stay focused, know what to say when they ask a question, be respectful of it, and then move on. That is the goal. Well, it's funny how... And then, we, and then go back to it if you need yeah, to, right? That's right. It's funny how you string all those together because you and I have been presenting so long and had so many coaching calls. I want to just rewind for a second to point something out. Yes, what you said is don't get sidelined. A lot of these guys live in fear of objections because they right. feel like they're supposed to like bludgeon the other side to death with their objection handler. But here's the thing. When you have a great presentation, when you have a kick-ass pre-listing package, you're not even going to get those questions 90% of the time because you will have already answered those common questions because it's always the same common objections and questions before you even get there. Some of you live in fear of objection of objections because you don't have a pre-listing package because you don't have a powerful presentation and that makes it really difficult for you to close because what happens if you're not doing it professionally is that potential seller holds on to their objections in their mind because you didn't handle it in your presentation. They're not really listening to anything that you're saying. They save it up for the end to blast you with their questions. Then you freak out over objection handling and you don't close. The definition of closing is the logical ending to a great presentation. If you don't have a great presentation that handles objections throughout it so you don't have to deal with them at the end, then that means you're going to walk away without the listing. You guys get that? It's called our seven-step listing process. And if you follow our seven-step listing process, when you get to the seller's house, you're going to have some anxiety, but you know all the big, heavy, nasty questions that you live in fear of being asked of you have been resolved through the pre-listing pack, through your pre-qualifying, through all the other things we teach you as part of being a premier coaching client. How many of you out there right now are listening to us? And there's tens of thousands of you who are thinking to yourselves, well, I can't become a listing agent because I'm living in fear of the seller asking me, how many houses have I listed and sold before? Or how many houses in my neighborhood over my building or my, you know, whatever have, have you sold before? Or what will you do that's different from the other agents? Or why would I list with you and not the same agent that's been selling all the houses in our market for 20 years, right? All of you are making all these excuses that are uh, essentially skills-based. Uh, you, you know what to say. You know how to say it. You can move past those objections if you're following an organized presentation. It's just simply you not knowing how to apply a system. It'd be like, for example, if you wanted to open up your own hamburger joint, right? And you're saying, well, I, how the hell can I open my own hamburger joint and compete with McDonald's? Well, maybe you should then consider opening up a Burger King. Or maybe you should follow another franchise model. Or hell, maybe you should actually, you know, buy a McDonald's franchise. When you buy a system that's proven to work in all market conditions and all price ranges all over the world, by the way, you're going to increase the likelihood of you experiencing success. It's going to go through the roof versus you just saying, you know what, there's McDonald's and there's all these other high end, you know, they're not high end, but you know, burger joints. I'm going to start my own. I'm going to figure out how to start my own and I'm going to compete with the big boys. You can't. Their system is proven to work. So if you're serious about being successful in real estate, we're not selling you a franchise, obviously. We're trying to make the, you know, essentially convey the information here that the reason that franchise owners are vastly more successful 
that entrepreneurs starting their own businesses, like by, I, I forget what percent, but like most business owners, most small business owners fail within 24 months. And I think if you look at the average lifespan of someone who buys a franchise, it doesn't even compare. They're successful long-term because they're plugging into a proven system. That's what Premier Coaching is, minus the obviously not being a franchise. So if you guys are ready, and hopefully all of you are, uh, you need to join Premier Coaching. Text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. And you can hop on over to the Premier Coaching page, check out what it is uh, included, and then join. It's like I said, depending on how you choose to join, it's around $100 a month. And remember, when you text, message and data rates may apply. Uh, but go ahead and text the word Premier to 47372. That's right. And our final point, number seven of our seven deadly sins of speaking, is lying. Lying to cover your tracks, lying to obfuscate the truth, lying to manipulate, lying to dodge accountability. Simply have a policy not to be a liar. Julian Treasure suggests that we put a positive light on all this to get back on track with our presentation and communication. He suggests the memory jogger Hale, H-A-I-L, to remind us of some speaking cornerstones. H stands for honesty, be accurate, be truthful. A is authenticity, be yourself. We often coach you to be yourself first, be yourself selling real estate second. Integrity, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Under promise and over deliver, set the example. And love, actually wish the best for people and be of service to them. When you're here to be of service, it's awfully hard to be judgmental, gossipy, or negative. This is, see these little things we just told you, these points that we just made over the last 30 minutes or so? If you were to actually take it on yourself to internalize them and say, you know what, I do recognize the fact that I need to get better at communicating. I need to get better at knowing what to say and how to say it. I need to get better at asking questions. I need to get better at you know realizing that it can't be about me. It's got to be about the person I'm trying to help, the buyer or the seller. Moving yourself past your present state to become closer to the person that you want to be, that's what markets like this are all about because what you're going to see and what you're already feeling are a lot of other agents are, like I said, going into fear mode. Don't be like them. Remember we said yesterday, guys, the greatest fortunes of history have in, in history have always been made during the greatest times of change. Well, during times of change, like we're experiencing now from what will be double-digit inflation, which we did start telling you about many years ago, would happen inevitably. We started telling you that it's going to happen after we saw the money being released for COVID. And here enough, or sure enough, here it is. It's not going to slow down. Inflation is going to get a lot worse. You're going to see resale home values go through the roof. You're going to see new construction slow because a new construction house is going to cost too much. None of this is going to happen this year maybe not even next year in a meaningful way, but you're going to start seeing the signs of it. All these things happen because of the nature, not just of interest rates, but also because specifically inflation. If, you know, uh, in the interest rate thing going up, interest rates going up, that's easily mitigated because the average payment hasn't increased that much. The average income required to uh, get a mortgage for the average payment or for the average mortgage size for the average payment hasn't really increased. Nothing meaningful has happened. Quarter point, even if it goes up by a half point or a whole point, that does not really have that much of an impact on the vast majority of the real estate transactions you're going to have an, act, have an opportunity to help participate in. But what will affect things is inflation. The good thing about being in real estate is when inflation is like it is now, you get a raise. The real estate values of the properties you're selling are going up. So all the while, everyone else is essentially trying to figure out you know, how to make ends meet. You, assuming that you are out there participating in the market, you're going to make more money selling the same number of homes that you did last year. How many of you are thinking like that? You guys see how that's a different way of looking at the, what other people are looking at? 
that you can sell the same number of homes you sold last year or even more and make significantly more money. Real estate this year is going to be 16% more valuable than it was last year, at least in some markets, more than 20%. So many of you are going to get a pretty significant raise for doing the same amount of work you did last year. Do not convince yourself that the opportunity is not there. The more people that believe the opportunity is not there, the more opportunity there is there for the people that choose not to believe that. You guys get it? It's counterintuitive, but this really is how life works. Any other closing thoughts well, for today? So as the market changes on you, and these are market changes that you know we haven't seen in a long time. No, Nobody listening to this podcast, unless you're probably, I don't know, 75 years old? You'd have to be in your 70s. Yeah, has really dealt with this combination of market conditions. Well, 1981, mm -hmm. that's, I, you know, I've researched, this, you and I have talked mm -hmm. about this on the show. 1981 was the last time we saw the combination of rising rates, um, hypothetical recession, which yep. it looks like that's kind of baked in for maybe the second half or going into the following year, mm -hmm. you know, two quarters of negative GP, right. GDP and inflation. It's, it's only happened really once before. But here's the difference. Mm -hmm. And this is the reason that this is totally and completely uncharted waters. Before, the country didn't know $23 trillion. True. And as the interest rates rise, so do the debt payments on the uh, debt. It, so do the interest payments on the debt. So how much can the government actually raise interest rates knowing that they're going to have to increase the amount of money that the government's going to have to pay to, you know, essentially on the debt service for the $23 trillion? They're not going to be able to raise rates in a meaningful way because the, the it's unsustainable. What happens is if you raise the debt or if you raise the payments too much, it becomes too much of a percent of the, you know, essentially the government's budget, let's say. And that means they're going to have to stop paying for things or they're going to have to stop paying entitlements or they're going to have to stop passing bills that are essentially redistributing uh, income. All these types of things are not what government officials and politicians are very good at. I think you will agree. So the probability of rates going up in a meaningful way, unless somebody, you know, I can't, I actually can't even think of it in the last scenario. No, because it's a self-fulfilling cap, right? So they do that. They're essentially punishing themselves. They're wrecking their own ratios of the payments. Well, they're all going to lose their jobs because people yeah, are going to be super Nobody's going to vote for that. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately the truth. But all the while, real estate values are going to continue to increase, especially, well, really everything. This yeah. this is the first time in our lives, and you and I have lived on this planet for over 100 years combined, right? Oh, thanks. But I know. <laughs> but this is the first time in our lives. There has been inflation, or call it appreciation, in certain categories, but now it's across the board. Right. I bet you your worn out tennis shoes are worth more now than they I were. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> right? Everything. Everything. But it's be it, that's just the nature of really what we're dealing with. This is inflation. It's a historical uh, event, which is kind of interesting to play out. If you don't want to suffer from it, you got to start doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Realize that here's the thing that's ironic, guys. And we say this all the time. And it resonates with a lot of you because I get the feedback. If you buy, let's say rates go up to half percent, or, you know, I'm sorry, 5%. Or maybe even six percent. If you fit, if the inflation on the same house is ten percent plus, that borrower or you are still coming out ahead by four points. Mm -hmm. You're living in that house for free. The inflating value of the house is going to uh, essentially it'll outperform uh, the cost of the loan. Assuming you get a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, right? Lock in low-rate mortgages because in virtually every market. And by the way, this has never happened before. It's meaningfully cheaper in some markets to purchase a house with only 10% down than it would cost to rent the same house. Yes. That is totally screwed up. And you think rents are going to go up or down? They're all going up. Mm -hmm. So you guys get the point? So do not uh, attach yourself to the negative. Turn off the negative headlines. Turn off these fear mongers that are on YouTube. I see them too. 
Do not listen to all the crap. Realize that there are people out there, millions and millions and millions of real estate transactions will happen this year. There were 6 million uh, homes sold last year, which means there was 12 million uh, paychecks hypothetically issued. That does not even go include new construction. The numbers this year projected will be hypothetically the same, if not less, but still it's millions it's and millions and millions and millions of paychecks that are going to be issued. How many of those do you need to have a great year? Yeah, <laughs> especially now the prices have gone up and so has your commission. So here's the thing. This does get back to how to have massive success in a shifting market. And we talked a lot about your communication skills and style, if you want to call it that. This is going to come down to you speaking intelligently about a variety of topics to a variety of types of people in a variety of situations. So make sure that you are studying this and really honing your communication skills. Tomorrow, we're going to give you the Harris Rules, Practical and Tactical, some even more specific drill downs on how to actually do that. So your homework from today's podcast is to please give us a five-star review. Don't wimp out and give us a four-star. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'd certainly appreciate it. And do share your positive feedback in the comments section. Uh, we do really appreciate that. And remember, guys, if you want to communicate with us in any way, right, today's topic, if you want to convey to us feedback that is going to be constructive on maybe a topic you want us to drill down on, anything in particular that you think would be helpful in your, if it's helpful to you, chances are it's helpful to millions of other agents as well. And that is our mission. So anything you have for us as far as topics or subjects or anything that you're excited about or fearful of, please do feel free to share it with me directly. There's two ways to do it. You can message us on Instagram and the other side benefit of messaging us on Instagram is you obviously get to see pictures, but pictures specifically of Julie and I at the gym. Some of you seem to take a lot of pleasure in watching Julie and I suffer on kettlebells every morning. Oh my gosh, it sucks so much. <laughs> anyway, so that's on Instagram. You can message us there at Tim and Julie Harris, or of course you can uh, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.